0: hola y bienvenidos al club de drama this week we talk about adele's body we talk about the arrival of the musk grimes baby and then in a very special episode we both do a deep dive into the lives of rock icons courtney love and kurt cobain stay tuned
1: What up fam? What up, fam? Good. Feels good, right? Feels good, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know what yeah.
0: yeah.
1: And without further ado,
0: we broadcast live from CA to okay. Thought Bud is a story of Amrita whose seemingly perfect life is shattered when her husband slaps her once in a party. But is one slap Ooh, enough to question my life would? <laughs> <laughs> but it's, Be shattered by that also, but it's one slap enough to question what a relationship stands for. At a party, yes, like in front of a in front bunch, of of bunch of people. So fuck
1: yeah, that slap will define you. So,
0: <laughs> so I was like, oh, that's kind of interesting because I think we all know, or let me just speak for myself on this. Like, I, I think I know what I, what my response would be in that situation, and I know what I would tell my friends to do in that situation. But well, let's hear it. It's like you obviously that's it. It's over. You leave him. <laughs> how could you do that at a party, like yeah, in front, of, in front people? of people, right? If that's what it's like in front of people, but could you imagine, okay, like, but how the, ugly it'll get? But the movie implies that this is a one-time thing or something, or at least the description does, right? Or it's a For first now. time, yeah, exactly. exactly, first time, yeah. Thing. There yeah. you go. So, but we all know that that's not how life works, and that, that you know there's gray areas, and people don't just, I mean. If that were the case, there wouldn't be um, abusive relationships because everyone would just leave their partner when something like that happens, you know, like and I understand that not everything is black and white like that. So I'm like, all right, this is an interesting premise for a movie. Right. So very, very interesting. So I just turned it on. uh, I only had I knew we were going to start like in an hour. So I was like, let me turn this on real quick. And like the first like 15 minutes or maybe up to like 20 minutes, I was like, is this a comedy or like kind of light and it was making me a little uncomfortable i was like mm, i don't know but then yeah. uh right before i had to stop to set up for the podcast the slap happened and let me tell you this movie's going places really uh, what I, are you watching this on amazon prime okay i need to what's it called again Thapid. i don't Can know if i'm just... pronouncing that right it's t-h-a-p-p-a-d or the oh, or that, something fuck that's ex- that's not how
1: i, was <laughs> re- I thought it, i thought f-a-p-i-d <laughs> uh hold on
0: so i'm gonna finish it after we're done recording
1: t-h-a-p-p-a-d interesting i still haven't seen bombshell because i just got on my reco- my like stuff to watch list
0: yeah i haven't seen bombshell either is that anywhere i don't, I don't think so what
1: else did i want to watch I
0: still haven't seen little women
1: oh it's good it's little women
0: <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. you know what i mean yeah yeah um yeah. I haven't
1: seen Jojo Rabbit. I still have that written on here. I was going to take it off because I was like, do I really need to watch this? But
0: I mean. Yeah, why not? Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's what I have. I also have um, one of my friends, her husband's from Liverpool. Mm -hmm. So she... she, uh, They're huge Beatles (laughs) fans. She told me to watch this movie, Film Stars Don't Die in Liverpool. Never heard of it. And I wrote it down on my list. I've been meaning to watch Mm -hmm. it. I think
0: it's from the 70s. -hmm. I watched... Over the last several days, uh, La Casa de las Flores, the new season. How do you like it? I wasn't super enjoying it. Not that it was bad or anything. It was fine. I just was like not into it. It, I wasn't like captivating to me. But then it picks up in the second half. Okay, well, that's how I felt about the second season. Yeah, yeah, I was similar like, this to is that. Kind of like dragging. Here. I think it's it does that thing where it a lot of shows that I like do this, where as it goes on, you have to see in order to create new storylines. They do different combinations of characters. You know, like right. or like you love to see the siblings together. And right. I mean, there's only so many stories you're gonna get out of that, so you need to but yeah, mix it up and mix, shit. Yeah. And it's like, but I don't want to see that. I wanna see <laughs> the people yeah, like that I want, like. Like friends
1: always makes me think of that. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. like you wanna see just like whatever, Chandler and Joey fucking around, mm-hmm. Ross and Rachel, but then fucking Chandler and Rachel had to Mac for a second because <laughs> they ran out of shit to write about.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, it picks up at the end, but then I didn't realize that it was the last season.
1: Yeah, like, of all time, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, mm. yeah, I like that guy, uh, Manolo Carro. Mm-hmm. So, it picks up, like, if you're, if you're starting to watch the third season, and you're like, oh, what's going on? I think it, it gets better. Yeah. The um, new season of Dead to Me dropped. I haven't started it yet.
1: Though. Oh, I haven't started it either, because I got to watch it with Howell and he's working. ah uh-huh. uh, Whatever. <laughs> i do fucking hate that and i do envy (laughs) that of like being single where you just watch whatever the fuck
0: you want yeah yeah yeah
1: but and then it's like it's kind of like i mean you could i could just watch it but then what i'm gonna watch it again with him or when he's home he's gonna watch it like i don't know you can you can
0: pretend to watch it for the first time with him
1: yeah (laughs) watch it twice maybe what if it sucks and you gotta sit through it that sucks I'm sure it won't suck, though, by the way. <laughs> How could it suck with that cast? I know. Amazing. I decided, I rewatched the last two seasons of Arrested Development because I was like, I hated these. No and why don't didn't. I? Yeah, like the new ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I hate it. But remember the, the, the first drop of the new season was all fucked up? Yeah. And then they redid it. Mm-hmm. So I hadn't watched the redone version.
0: Oh, uh, yeah. The remix.
1: The remix. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. so i watched the remix and then i liked it oh really yeah so then i watched the the sec the second new season which is like the fifth season right it's so fucking confusing
0: anyway. i i only watched the first half of the second season oh okay of the second new season because i was like oh i don't even i'm not am i even enjoying this is it yeah, just ruining just kind of the on... whole? yeah is it ruining the whole thing for me you know yeah so I didn't I never finished it, which I is very rare for me. I always I almost always finish a show. I know. Me too. Even if I'm hating it, I will. Yeah. Which I still I haven't we talked about it, but now Homeland officially ended. I didn't
1: Oh, it did? Yeah, it did. I did stop watching Homeland. Yeah, I'm, I don't know if I'm ever going <laughs> to Actually, I take back what I said about, like, I always finish it. No, I fucking, I will break up with the show quick. <laughs> if they kill off a character that I'm invested in, I'm so fucking mad. Downton Abbey did that to me. I stopped watching after fourth season. Whenever Michael and What's-Her-Face died, I stopped watching.
0: Okay, so... I think it's third season that I stopped watching. I think that's third season, yeah. Because he dies
1: in the car crash in the season finale. Mm -hmm. And I was so
0: fucking pissed, (laughs) man. I was like, no. Well, I just saw today HBO go. I got a notification on my phone that it was like uh, the The Downton Abbey movie. The Crawleys are back. And I was like, are they? (laughs) 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 Might have to watch that. But would you watch the movie or no? Because you would have to watch the... Do I I have to? Probably not, no. Yeah,
1: no, I'd watch the movie, fuck it. These Beats are, uh, they're They're pretty old. They're like the, I think they're the first version of like the this. Uh Uh-huh. So, I mean, we've had them forever. But yeah, they're not working as hot anymore.
0: I always keep the ones that come with a new phone, just in case, Mm -hmm. like for, for backups. And those like tend to last a pretty decent amount of time.
1: Yeah, they're good. I don't like Apple headphones, but yeah. uh, I just, one of my headphones that I work out in died on me. So, exactly that. Like, I looked for the... I always keep it, too. Yeah. And I used it, and they work fine. I just don't like them because i usually only use headphones when i'm running and mm-hmm. i'm somebody that sweats a lot and the uh. apple ones always fall out of my fucking ear oh interesting and so i fucking hate them like the way that they have this shape like it's very mm-hmm. comfortable and i could see mm-hmm. why you would like it if you were working or something mm-hmm. but me because i sweat
0: it's just like voop, it just fucking... <laughs> and then it ruins my run like i get so pissed yeah you should get the the beats ones that go over like up and over the ear the wireless ones
1: yeah, I don't trust those. I see those and I'm like, yeah. I mean, I if know. it's
0: good enough for LeBron James. You know LeBron what I James. Mean?
1: But do LeBron, no, I'm not saying, do LeBron James sweat like me? Like homegirl knows her sweat. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like, I don't or, know. Or
0: like Simone Biles.
1: Yeah. Because
0: you, you probably sweat when you're doing flips, like a million flips in the air. But
1: people sweat at different rates, man. <laughs> you, for example, don't sweat. I actually told my mom this today. Because I went over to the house because they grew radishes. And so she wanted to give me radishes. She
0: grew radishes? How did they they're come out?
1: beautiful, me. They're so wow. cute. Like, and they're perfect. Like, I mean, they're so good. So she started sweating, like, when she was pulling them.
0: Yeah, and it's hot outside.
1: Yeah, and I was like, Mommy, let's go inside. Like, it's fucking hot. And then um, I was like, man, I always sweat. Like, I sweat like that because of you or something like that. Mm-hmm. And she was like, yeah, my mom sweats like that, too. And then I was like, you know who doesn't sweat is me. And I was like, Mommy, he Entrado Colamea, una pinche sauna, okay? And no le sale, sale el sudor. And she was like, I know, mija.
0: It's true, dude. That's why all the toxins stay inside. She was
1: like, I know, que feo. I was like, que feo. It's feo that we fucking sweat like ridiculous. Can you see uh, it?
0: Oh, they came out so good. Aren't they so cute? Damn.
1: That it was bomb.
0: Two weeks ago, I planted whiskilis and what? Yeah, and tell me why, like they with, fucking are like just fucking growing with like, what? A s-
1: like you got a pack of
0: seeds, or you used no? A you just straight up put a wiskeel in the ground. I looked it up on <laughs> I looked it up on YouTube. <laughs> I remember that when I was a kid at our house, we had whiskyless growing in the backyard. Uh, yeah. My my grandma planted them. And so I had some whisky lists just sitting on the counter and they started to sprout like a little thing. And I was telling my mom, like, wouldn't it be cool like, to have whisky lists? And she was like, yeah, you know, it's fucking easy. Like, You just like plant them and they just start to grow. And I looked up a YouTube video and it was a dude just straight up like dug a <laughs> hole, dropped the whisky <laughs> in the ground and like covered it. And so that's what I did like last week. And that shit is fucking growing, dude. Like it's what so does the fucking easy.
1: Plant look like, is it a bush or...
0: No, it's like vines, you know, oh. where you could put it. It could cover your uh, your back fence. Cause remember how you were saying? I hate that
1: fence. Yeah, you, yeah.
0: It could. It grows like that. I'm gonna plant a whiskeyle and see what the fuck's up. Yeah, that shit is so fucking easy. And then
1: <laughs> is bomb for our uh, non Central American listeners. Whiskeyle is chayote squash.
0: Ch- yeah, chayote, chayote in Mexico, it's, and that just it's like squash, squash family. Yeah, it's squash adjacent. It's, it's squash. green yeah mm-hmm. it is a squash yeah type of squash yeah but it, when i was a kid we had the kind that was like spiky and that one's yeah. bomb that one's like, real bomb but the one I've that i both. the one that i planted was just like a regular shmikawa
1: had never tried it until he started dating me and my mom like because we put it in our caldo de res yeah mm-hmm. yeah and he his family doesn't and he was like what is this <laughs> <laughs>
0: damn Joel really leveled up when he started he show dating did.
1: you he sure did <laughs> you said it right there man that's the version of my fucking movie tap it or whatever the fuck it was called <laughs> level up level up <laughs> tiff just tweeted living single is the best show ever made i will fight you
0: <laughs> living single is so good and it holds up
1: it's so fucking good i haven't seen that in a long ass
0: time i randomly started watching it recently like during quarantine that shit's funny right yeah that shit is so fucking funny yeah oh i watched the new natalie wood documentary on hbo
1: oh you did okay i saw her um
0: was it her daughter or granddaughter who said she asked it's her daughter that's what that's the premise of the documentary basically oh okay so go Um, ahead uh, natasha she asked rj robert wagner like if he had anything to do with it and he obviously says no and she believes him because that's basically her dad like that's not her biological dad but they grew up together as a family from the time she was like two years old right so uh yeah anyway she she believes him but i mean that's what i expect i guess that's not unexpected yeah but i recommend the documentary okay it's on hbo yeah and it's just like it goes over natalie's life and she's just so fucking beautiful and like you can see it's just like the hard work that she put into her whole career and stuff
1: seriously and
0: natasha looks just like her oh yeah it's it's good i wrote down a quote this was what she was talking about uh her relationship with uh rj she said quote in fact we were both so confused that we thought fighting and hostility meant real emotional honesty Oh, and I was like, that is a vibe right there. That's a lot of people there. Mm -hmm.
1: Oh, Scott Disick is in rehab. I forgot about that. What kind of rehab? Alcohol. He at one point said he was a sex addict, but that was kind of like, I think that he was kind of using it as an excuse to justify all of the cheating he was doing with Courtney Uh, because at that time they were still together. And then uh and then he said all that and then they broke up and he was just like dating which I think he just wanted to be single.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Not to like... I mean, I don't want to say that it's not true. Maybe he also is that. But that's mm-hmm. just the way I saw it.
0: Have they been together? How old is like their oldest child-ish? I don't know. Like that kid
1: Mason? I think, not, I don't not,
0: know. Not like a teenager or anything, but they...
1: I think he's probably like 11, right? I don't know.
0: But they had a long relationship, right?
1: Yeah, because before that kid was born, they had been together. So and I like would broken up and then get back together.
0: I would assume they've been together since they were like hella young.
1: Yeah, for sure. So maybe he mm. wanted to be single. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So Roy Horn passed away. R.I.P. R.I.P. to Roy. For those of you that remember, I did a Siegfried and Roy, mm-hmm. uh, twofer at the suggestion of our friend Paige, mm-hmm. and that's actually one of my favorite episodes because you do Sex Idiot. Oh. <laughs>
0: name the swimmer ja ja
1: (laughs) what is his fucking name what's the other swimmer's name
0: uh michael phelps michael phelps and ryan lochte ryan lochte yeah Oh, that's the same episode? Okay, that's funny. I'm I'm going to go back and listen to that.
1: That one's really funny. It's one of my favorite ones. Anyways.
0: Roy passed away.
1: Yeah, like such a fucking icon. Vegas icon. Yeah. Kind of like of another era now. Yeah, for
0: sure. And I feel so bad. I hope Siegfried's okay. And I mean, that has to take a toll when someone who you've been attached to for damn near your whole lives at this point yeah, is gone. And somebody yeah. who
1: went through something so hard oh and tragic God. and came out of the end of it, you know? Yeah, yeah. RIP to him. Also, RIP to Little Richard. Tutti Fruity. That's so wild. Another but icon. and Super icon. Sorry. Mm-hmm. I, got, I got too loud right <laughs> there. <laughs> Just like Little Richard would.
0: <laughs> Just someone who I feel like we can barely begin to comprehend his influence on rock and music roll and or culture anything? yeah and yeah
1: just dance wow. and styles yeah. yeah yeah just everything, everything. yeah r.i.p what a legend he was
0: almost 90 years old huh
1: yeah he was like 88 or something mm-hmm.
0: yeah wow there was a a little thing that i talked to you about that was amanda palmer on her patreon
1: Oh yeah, <laughs> me. so um, what happened?
0: So, uh, Amanda Palmer of the Dresden Dolls—if you guys are goss at all—is <laughs> <laughs> married to Neil Gaiman, who's a, a writer, and they have are like infamously problematic and like <laughs> yeah, fucked up as a couple, kind of. Yeah. Anyway, she made the fact that she was divorcing him. She made it public on like the upper tier of her patreon (laughs) so like if you paid amanda bomber like 15 dollars this month you would find out that she was divorcing neil gaiman before she told neil gaiman
1: that's insane me
0: (laughs) but it sounds about right though
1: yeah i mean talk about dramatic (laughs) fuck that's good you know which other one is good and i want to do a mini episode on it (laughs) is um the actress that divorced that businessman and then uh, did the Christie's auction of all her jewelry. I had wrote it down the other day.
0: Oh, um, oh, I, I fucking love her, dude. She's so
1: beautiful. She's like,
0: beautiful. And
1: every time I look her up, I always get stuck looking at pictures of her because I'm yeah. like, dear God,
0: she's fucking beautiful. Ocean 13 was Ellen Barkin.
1: Ellen Barkin. There you Yeah. Go.
0: Yeah. How old is she? Damn. 66 years old. Still looking amazing.
1: Still could snatch a bitch. (laughs) For real, though. That's what I'm talking about.
0: Oh, I didn't know she was married to Gabriel Byrne. That's not the person that. No, 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 it's not. Divorce, but yeah, I didn't know she was married to him.
1: It's uh this guy Ronald Ronald. Perlman.
0: Yeah, interesting.
1: Who's an investor? Mm. Yeah, that guy's been married a grip of times too.
0: He still got money. That's how you know he was fucking rich. That's what I'm talking about. How many
1: divorces could you afford, baby? Because <laughs> you know those what those uh, those uh, low level millionaires who can like lose it all after one yeah, divorce and shit. Yeah. yeah, make sure if you if you only marrying for that kind of reason, make sure he could at least afford like three divorces, girl.
0: Or be the first ex wife, baby. <laughs> there
1: you go. There you go.
0: <laughs> um, how about? our bitch adele though
1: yeah it so oh my god adele turned 32 which i didn't realize she was exactly the same age as us yeah not to give our age away
0: it always infuriates me that she's our age because (laughs) anybody like our age is like well so successful and shit i'm like fuck you i just remember being just in awe of like her first album because 19 because we were 19 and the fact that she could spit that out when she was 19 i just chasing like,
1: pavements is chasing so pavements good oh, god if that was the only song she made right we would probably still be thinking about her mm-hmm. anyway so Adele posted a birthday post on her instagram and she fucking looks i mean she always looked great but she lost a ton of weight yeah she looks like a different person to me i know i know like it's almost honestly i don't know like i'm like who is this
0: i don't know how she manages to do this that like we don't get images of her unless she wants to unless she, probably she wants... doesn't go
1: out that much
0: yeah maybe that's and she's got a baby too right so yeah like busy. what's her
1: face megan fox i remember like another one, at the yeah. peak of her fame you couldn't see her out or anything mm-hmm. like that and she said like because i don't go out like my yeah. favorite she said something funny like my favorite uh part of la is this one strip mall with like a cheesecake factory <laughs> uh it was like olive garden and one of the places <laughs> she was like that was that was the the only places <laughs> you're gonna see me at damn where is that? let's I go know, right?
0: <laughs> <laughs> and also can megan fox be our friend because <laughs> <laughs> same girl that's why i i feel like the people who i mean aside from like a lady gaga who's like a biggest star in the world type thing like right the people who are like oh fame i can't get away from all these people i can't yes yes you can, can. yeah you
1: <laughs> choose not to
0: so adele i I'm not, I'm not 1000% that she looks better. Well, that's what
1: I was going to say.
0: I don't uh-huh. want to like, I think she looks
1: better with a little bit more weight. on. But her.
0: we'll see. We'll see. Cause right. I, I feel like we Cause have we it. can't really
1: see pictures of her. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. Uh, let's wait for like how she looks on the cover of her album, which I'm sure she's going to look fucking snatched and gorgeous. Cause she's like, well, yeah. One of the it's all gonna time be beauties, all
1: filtered and shit, come on, of course, we're all gonna look good on the cover of our albums, like,
0: but okay, what? and also, like, when she comes out, like, when she goes to the Grammys and shit. there you go, yeah, yeah. that's what I would want to see, yeah. So, I'm gonna wait to pass judgment, but she lit the internet on fire, and there's been a lot of like think pieces about oh, like, our uh, we don't want to like praise her too much, right? Like, you don't want to,
1: you don't want your praise to seem like sh- she wasn't beautiful before yeah. she lost the weight right but also Adele was at an unhealthy weight yeah before mm-hmm. you know so it's mm-hmm. good that she lost some weight can't wait i can't wait to see a real picture of her me too uh, me too
0: yeah
1: a real ass picture of her and yep. she's
0: dating what's his face skepta i can't wait to hear Girl. the on her next album oh <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna live for that <laughs> Oh, is that how you pronounce Elon Musk's and Grimes' baby's name? Oh, my gosh,
1: mate. I can't roll my eyes enough. This is some white nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck is this? Okay, what
0: is- I don't have it written down. What is it? What is what? What is the name of their baby?
1: You think? I can't. I just told you I don't know how to speak English. You think I can pronounce <laughs> robot? Whatever the fuck that shit is. <laughs> a x 17 right (laughs) i
0: don't
1: know 27
0: a e oh here it is it's x a e a dash one two (laughs) musk
1: this is the stupidest fucking thing we're in a pandemic sir. (laughs) can you stop acting a fool
0: uh okay let's see um Oh, I did read something sad about him. Oh what? Because when I was
1: talking about it with Hola and I was like, "You know he has like six kids already because yeah. he's been married twice yeah. or three times or some mm-hmm. shit like that." And uh he looked up his Wikipedia and then uh I guess his first son had died of sids and i was like oh that sucks mm. well you yeah. know what if I, I was like if i was rich and and that had happened to me i might have fuck around and have 10 kids too like yeah 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 you know? or i
0: would be too scared to maybe have more kids honestly i've never had a child and nor do i have the desire to have a child but Sids scares the shit out of me like i think about it all like i might think about it every week Why well, was <laughs> so
1: that's what Hoel and i had a conversation about i was like that because i think like he would turn around and maybe have a lot of kids like could you imagine a person of science so some like you like or like hoa like someone Mm -hmm. who studied science and like understands science at these astronomical levels having the loss of a child in a completely unexplainable manner
0: yeah i know like
1: everything could be explained in this world if you truly understand science you know or most things for Mm -hmm. you know for the sake of argument and um then for that to happen to you like and like I mean you, you have must, no answers and oh it's my like, god and yeah. that must
0: be like the worst and that's a hole that you probably try to fill for the rest of your life
1: exactly so you yeah. gotta turn, turn around and fucking name a kid 217 and 17 <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, so someone said that they think it's pronounced ash <sighs> poor that sucks <laughs>
1: It was <laughs> true. Oh, I was like, no, they didn't. They did that to the poor baby. <laughs> I was like,
0: I mean, it, it is
1: it. true. You know that kid's going to grow up and be like, fuck you, dad.
0: I mean, it might be really funny if it's just pronounced like Fred. <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh man and then did you see her like little explanation about it
0: yes and
1: she got part of it wrong and elon corrected her (laughs) and she was like well i have baby brain or some shit she was like well fuck
0: you (laughs) elon musk man like why did they do this
1: (laughs) i don't know he's been on one maybe he was on one now i kind of want to give him a pass maybe he was just
0: like all hormonal because he was gonna have the baby. Shit. But where's my bitch? Oh no, I'm not gonna call her my bitch because I don't fuck with her, but Amber, Amber. Her, You you could have you could have had a fucking You fucking played yourself with that shit, bitch. You could have had a one oh two point seven kiss at that <laughs> ass baby. <laughs> that Your baby could have
1: broke the internet with all that hype. No, but where you at? Nobody gives a shit. You know who could afford three fucking divorces? Elon Musk. You know who can't? Johnny (laughs) (laughs) Depp. You fucking played yourself. See, this is why white girls need brown friends.
0: If your man can bankrupt himself sending Hunter S. Thompson's ashes to space, you ain't got no business marrying that motherfucker.
1: No fucking business.
0: What was the movie she was in with him? Rum, Rum Diary. Diary. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: That was like the last Hunter S. Thompson thing, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did not watch that movie or read that book.
1: Oh, I did actually go see it in the theaters.
0: How was it? Did they have chemistry? It's first awful. Of all?
1: They do, but it's awful. Uh, mm-hmm. I was just thinking about Fear and Loathing, and because uh, I saw these Gucci glasses that kind of remind me of the ones on the the like the poster, mm-hmm. and I was like, man, me and May should dress up as this.
0: Oh, yeah, like a bucket hat, Hawaiian shirt.
1: Cigarette. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We should do it and take pictures.
0: Yeah, that would be fun. It would
1: be so sick.
0: Um, Thank you to everyone responding to cool, to who you think is a cool white man. Oh, yeah, that's been so fun, actually. Yeah, super fun.
1: And thanks to Katie for that email.
0: Oh, yeah, Katie Yeager. Shout out to you. We love you. She
1: gave us a cool email about why. about It was like a, her thesis on why. uh <laughs> Harrison Ford is cool. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and she might have convinced me. Katie mm-hmm. Yeager, are you a lawyer too?
1: Hey, <laughs> let's open up a firm.
0: <laughs> uh, speaking of lawyers, you started watching Real Housewives of Beverly Hills this season. Oh, yeah.
1: I finished the, I mean, I'm up to date on You're up to date, yeah. the season. Yeah.
0: The part where Erica Jane starts crying on her husband's shoulders. <laughs> yeah. She's like, thank you.
1: Yeah. Because <laughs> he helped her get that contract for Roxy Hart or some shit. Yeah. Yeah, that was really funny. I bet he eats that shit up.
0: Oh yeah, he loves. It. You can tell. Like that. You can tell, like he loves to like baby her, sort of.
1: It's so weird because, but you know, Hef used to love that too mm-hmm. on. On,
0: uh, mm-hmm. I was gonna say, Bunny on Hills? Real Housewives. Of, what was it called?
1: Uh, Bunny girls, a girls show. next door. Girls next door. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's such a weird thing dynamic to me. Mm-hmm. But I like how Erica is about it. Like she's very matter of fact. Like she's no, like, I've it. had these questions like my whole life. I'm fucking right. She doesn't yeah. let it face her either. She's fucking tough.
0: Yeah, I I love her. Like me I, too. she doesn't have drama or anything. Like I want her to, or I'm sure she does, but she doesn't show it on the show, which fucking sucks.
1: She hardly ever like gets that overworked.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: And part of me is like, do you just can you just not move your face,
0: or you <laughs> just for real like that? No, but she's tight. I love her.
1: Yeah. She doesn't like insert herself either. Like Lisa will fucking insert herself mm-hmm. and like get all up in it, yeah. which I also love.
0: Yeah. Oh, no, for real. You need a Lisa. Fuck yeah. We don't need a Teddy, but
1: we don't need a Teddy, but y'all ain't <laughs> ready for that conversation. <laughs> Why is Teddy on the show?
0: Uh, I would do knows? anything
1: to get Lisa back.
0: For real. And Teddy yeah. bounce. <laughs> <laughs> Even this fucking bitch Sutton, mm-hmm. she's like stirring shit up. She ha- she has me.
1: Right <laughs> when she got there, I was like, bitch, who is you? <laughs> like immediately stirring shit up. And with Teddy, who I don't like. So I was like, yes, hell I yeah. Know.
0: Well, the tea is that Sutton was supposed to, like she filmed her intro with holding the diamond and everything. But the rest of the girls don't fuck with her. So they had her demoted to friend. That's why she's like all up in this this season, but doesn't have a diamond
1: may i didn't know that yes and now like, that makes sense because i i totally just assumed she's a new cast member
0: yeah but if you notice she doesn't have an intro <gasps> she does it and garcelle does garcelle does yeah oh i fuck with garcelle the well, so queen though yeah <laughs> she is such a queen
1: she's fucking sir Bing.
0: yes yeah, but I'm liking like the vibe that... I mean, somebody's got to cause the drama. Oh, Sutton you know? is
1: causing drama. No, yeah. I'm here for... Keep her on the show. I don't <laughs> like that bitch.
0: <laughs> and then, also, I noticed that there's... I don't know the way the show's being produced this season. It seems like there's... um Like, the way it's edited and stuff, I think the subtext has become like more blatant like it's in the forefront right and it's interesting i like it like when uh, lisa renna put on that tiara or whatever and it was like the crown is heavy darling yeah. i was like that was tight
1: that was tight too <laughs> did you see lisa renna call out the fucking college scandals too she was like yes. i hope you get into college because i'm not gonna take a picture her daughter got all mad she was like mom
0: she's probably friends with her like I'm they're, sure they just, know each they're like other. the same age and shit yeah but
1: lisa don't give a fuck yeah I, I love lisa yeah me too dude she's i want i great. need her to
0: change her hair though because she looks so good like when she walked the runway for um for kyle's show and she had like that long ponytail i think she looks so fucking good
1: yeah but i also do like and it's also dated and you're just kind of yeah. like come on like yeah. but also at this point i do think it's kind of like it's her trademark yeah so if she did it it would be like, I'm sure we would be like, ooh, kind of hard to look at her or something. Maybe. Or like, you wouldn't think it's Lisa Rinner or something. Like, remember when Once yeah. Your Face had that nose job? Felicity?
0: Felicity? Oh, What's that show called? Wait, but the bitch from, Fel- from Felicity? Felicity got a nose job? Because I was going to say Jennifer Grey from Dirty Dancing. Oh, that's
1: who I'm thinking of. Oh, Not Felicity. Okay. No, Felicity cut her hair, remember? And it was yes. like hella drama. Yeah. Okay, I'm getting my situations okay.
0: confused that bitch has one of the all-time great heads of hair like what is she doing felicity her hair yes felicity yeah
1: Yeah, i wanted to start watching that show because my brother always told me that it was good and like he loved it when it came out
0: i never watched it
1: i never watched it
0: but i did watch all of the americans
1: oh you did how do you like that they're together right
0: yeah they're together i like that like if i think it's a bad show it's a if you think of it as a show about spies it's bad Mm-hmm. Or, or no, no, that's strong language. It's just not great. But if you think of it as a show about marriage, then it's great because they're like married and um undercover, not undercover, but like, uh, yeah, like undercover spies. Right. Yeah. It's a very interesting dynamic. And the fact that they're together off screen, I think adds another layer. I right. I, en- I enjoy that show. Okay. Interesting. Okay. Wow. We have been talking. Talking. <laughs> Many people over 30 probably never heard of Kurt Cobain, but for younger fans, his music captured the spirit of the difficult transition from youth to maturity.
1: Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Drama Club.
0: My name is Stephanie. And my name is May. This is the podcast about fantastic hair.
1: Yep. Uh, (laughs) Nose jobs, celebrities, biographies, drama, gossip. What's up?
0: (laughs) What up?
1: Okay, so this is a two-part episode
0: yeah a very special episode i think very
1: special if you remember two weeks ago may did the story of larry flint mm-hmm. and we talked about or she talked about courtney love because she plays larry's uh wife in the althea. show yeah althea yeah and at that time when we were recording may blurted out i want to do a courtney love episode and i was like oh yeah you should and she was like, it would be cool if we did Kurt and Courtney as a twofer. And I was like, well, let's do it in two weeks, baby, because <laughs> we got nothing else to plan
0: for. It's true. <laughs>
1: so this week, we're bringing you the stories of Kurt Copain and Courtney
0: Love. All right. Let's 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 get into it, because I feel like...
1: It's going to be good.
0: Yeah, I think it's going to be good, too. It's got to be good. <laughs> <laughs> so I I think for this, I kind of immersed myself in this more than i have in maybe ever for this podcast
1: i did too and i was like is this because this is like also the era of mtv where i grew up yeah like it's i think it had something to do with that too it was just like that nostalgia kind of
0: yeah i think so too and also it's like i think it's one of the benefits of us doing just one episode a week yeah, where it's like we don't have to like rush to finish a story. It's like we, you can kind of sit with something longer yeah. than than before.
1: For sure. I got like crazy into Nirvana and I watched their whole Unplugged. And this was and it was not for the <laughs> right. Yeah, it like it's not like I could write anything about it, really. Like, yeah, that song was good. <laughs> it's just because I was so into it.
0: I had already been sort of like on a 90s kick when uh, Fiona Apple's album, album dropped. dropped. Yeah. Yeah. And that then was the I was whole like, S-
1: phenomenon on we, Twitter. Didn't, talk, <laughs> we right, didn't
0: we didn't talk about it but like it took over the internet for, that shit
1: was crazy yeah she yeah. for sure broke the internet
0: and it's and even okay so after that album dropped i started thinking about there are other um artists that i think uh are challenging to listen to that i enjoy like bjork i love bjork but i'm never like like sitting in my car like right <laughs> you know like yeah uh, so I had already sort of been on this thing. I was listening to like fucking Mob Deep and shit. <laughs> so I was like on my '90s shit. So happy to do Courtney. I watched her 2010 Behind the Music. Ooh, it's fucking great. Even though it's like that second wave of Behind the Music. Yeah, it has like the vibe of the early Behind the Musics. Okay. Uh, a documentary on the recording of her second solo album. Ton of MTV interviews from the '90s. Shout out to Kurt Loader. Oh my god, Kurt Loader, you fucking king for sure. I think it was his birthday this week because he was trending on Twitter. On Twitter, yeah, that's so funny. And I watched the conspiracy documentary "Soaked in Bleach." Oh okay. Um. Yeah, I don't. I'm. I'm not gonna get into the conspiracy stuff, but I don't
1: like conspiracy stuff.
0: Yeah, I mean, anyway. and I don't. And you know what's funny, like. When somebody I know likes that, or
1: if mm-hmm. I meet somebody that likes that stuff, I immediately kind of like,
0: well, I like, I like hearing it, but I yeah, never but you don't like, believe it. right? Yeah, yeah. I never like buy into it. Yeah.
1: Cause it's kind of, it's interesting to see how someone could con- connect it like that and yeah. and make mm-hmm. it make sense. But do I believe that? Not necessarily. Uh, right. Most of the time. No.
0: So I watched all those things and like literally like half a dozen other things I've been practically living with Courtney Love for the last
1: <sighs> two weeks my brother i owe you three bucks for a jordan documentary i bought on prime go
0: ahead and watch it (laughs) go ahead (laughs) i know bitch it's my prime (laughs) i thought he was gonna be like don't watch it no he's giving me permission to use my own prime (laughs) um so courtney michelle harrison was born on july 9th 1964 in san francisco it kind of trips me out that she's like kind of my parents age because she seems so much younger yeah Okay, and she was the ultimate child of the counterculture. But more on that in a second. Let's back up a little bit and talk about her ancestry because it's fucking crazy. Okay. Courtney's great-grandmother was this Cuban woman named Elise de Sola Fox. Interesting. Who who was a Hollywood screenwriter in the 1930s. This is wild because not only was she a woman screenwriter, but a Latina at that, actually working as a screenwriter. So, shout out to Elise for that. And shout out to our Latina sister, Courtney Love. <laughs> I, know, that's why I was like, interesting. Courtney Love fuck with platanos? Okay. <laughs> anyway. Um, oh, just like Ryan Lochte. <laughs> another Trudeau, secret Cuban. Yeah. Damn.
1: It's because Cubans are light-skinned. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: A- anyway. <laughs> oh, that's another thing I'm I kind of me off about that indian movie that i was telling you about i was like why is everyone light-skinned in this movie but they have that problem over there of like colorism we're like the
1: same as all- everyone I'm everywhere yeah. Fucking everywhere yeah.
0: yeah it was weird anyway um elise had a daughter with her husband paul but rejected uh her that baby her name was paula at birth and took off and so did paul so he left paula in an orphanage But Elisa's mother, Candelaria, found Paula and ended up moving her back to Cuba to take care of her until she quickly realized that she didn't have the means to provide for her. Wow. So Candelaria gave Paula up to this reverend from New York. This turned out to be the best thing for baby Paula, and it seems like she had a nice and stable childhood. She later became a very internationally acclaimed author. But in 1944, a 20-year-old Paula was studying under and living at the home of the great, legendary acting teacher, Stella Adler. While Paula was living with Stella, she got pregnant and, being so young, decided to give that child up for adoption. And, and that child was Courtney's mother, Linda Carroll. Wow. At the time that Paula was living with Stella, there was another long-term houseguest slash student with whom she was briefly involved. And that person was, drumroll, Marlon Brando. Wow neither Paula nor Marlon would ever confirm or deny that Marlon was the father of Paula's baby, but the relationship fits the timeline, which means that it's possible. Very possible. In fact, that Courtney loves grandfather is Marlon Brando. That's insane. Yeah. Fucking crazy. Courtney says that she, that she isn't sure, obviously how could she be, but she leans toward yes, because she says that before her first nose job, she thinks that she bears a resemblance to Marlon. And I have to say it, Kind of, I Can't can she, she kind can of, of see that. Find out for real now if she wanted to, right? Yeah, is she um, did, did a, a DNHS DNA test with like the descendants? Uh-huh. With Christian, Christian's still alive, I think. Yeah. Oh, that's another episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So I think it's possible. And I read that she once asked Warren Beatty to ask Marlon what he thought about it on her behalf, uh-huh. and that Warren actually came back with an answer, but she doesn't say what that answer was. She says she wants to keep that for her memoirs. Interesting. Paula was asked about Courtney in 2013 and gave the Observer this quote. Quote, She's awful. She is awful. She's terrible. I met with her for an hour and the hour was like an hour in the devil's pocket for both of us. Ooh. Per page six, Courtney responded, quote, Paula's absolute dislike of me is shocking and inexplicable. I feel really bad for both of them about this. Like, yeah. It's shitty because here's this woman, Paula, who who was abandoned by her mother and she gave up her own daughter thinking that that was that. Yeah. And like that, that would be the end of the line of this relationship. But then her granddaughter ends up being this infamous icon who is admittedly difficult and has a slew of her own problems. And she's now tied to like it or not, Courtney. Right. And it sucks for Courtney because at the end of the day, that's your grandmother. Yeah. <laughs> And her grandma, who literally doesn't know her, was like, nah, fuck fuck that bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I don't fuck with her. And that probably hurt really, really bad. So I don't know. It's, It's a bad situation. Yep. Okay. So Courtney's mom, Linda, is a famous psychotherapist and marriage counselor. So like the line of this of these women is fucking crazy. Right. At the time that Courtney was born, Linda was still finishing up her education, though. So she wasn't famous yet. And Courtney's dad, Hank, was a publisher and manager for the Grateful Dead. Courtney's godfather is Phil Lesh of the Grateful Dead. And at age five, Courtney appeared on the back cover art for the Dead's album Aximoxa. So hopefully that's a scene for you about like the kind of people that we're dealing with in the 60s. So Hank was an amateur acid maker (laughs) because of course he was. And in 1969, Linda left him after she alleged that he'd given baby Courtney LSD. Wow. This all ended up in the papers at that time because Linda's adoptive parents were this really prominent and wealthy Bay Area couple. So this was actually news. Mm -hmm. Hank vehemently denied it, but Linda was awarded full custody and she moved baby Courtney to Oregon where she completed her degree at the University of Oregon. So just like Marlon Brando and that story, it's hard to say with certainty if Hank really did give Courtney acid, but it's not out of the realm of possibility. Right.
1: You got an acid baker
0: as a dad. Right. Exactly. And and again, like Marlon Brando, Courtney leans towards it being true, which honestly would maybe explain a lot. Right. But like I said, who knows? So it's 1970 and Linda marries this dude named Frank Rodriguez, who high key might be the best person to ever come into Courtney's life to this day. He immediately treated little Courtney like she was his own and legally adopted her. He and Linda went on to have two more daughters and also a son who unfortunately died when he was a baby and Courtney Aww. was 10. Aww. And they adopted another little boy. Linda and Frank ended up getting divorced. And that was really tough on little Courtney, who was already having difficulty at school and now started lashing out in general. Ooh, just like Kurt. Anyways. Interesting. Linda and Frank sent her to a psychologist when she was nine who diagnosed her with being, quote, slightly schizoid. Whoa. Courtney correctly points out that not only is the diagnosis of, quote unquote, slightly schizoid, not a real thing. Yeah. But also schizoid personality disorder is usually diagnosed in early adulthood. So it would be very rare for a child, a nine year old, to receive that diagnosis, even if they did have like some symptoms. She also calls this man a pervert, although she doesn't go into details aside from saying that he kept pornography in his office. And her stepfather, Frank, actually backs her up on this and says that he was, quote, not a good man. So I literally shudder to think about what kind of damage this person did to a child who was already clearly troubled. Honestly, Courtney is probably on the spectrum. And if she just would have had the right care, I think she most likely would have thrived. Right. She's also really smart, too. So it's like, I don't know. It's like, I think about the way her life could have gone. And it's just, it's sad. So Linda quickly found a new man, married him, and moved her and her kids to New Zealand. Uprooting uprooting Courtney yet again. And popped a couple more kids out. Damn. Yeah, she's busy. This woman, Linda. Linda's a piece of work, actually.
1: She's got a shit ton of kids. Mm -hmm.
0: And I'm no expert, but. Courtney, she needed stability. Right. <laughs> obviously. And so all these moves and changes and shit, like it's not doing anybody any favors. And things quickly went south for Courtney in New Zealand. And within a year, her mother just kind of washed her hands of her.
1: Ooh. She got eight other kids to worry about. So <laughs>
0: True, true. And also she comes from a line of women who left their children.
1: Yeah, so it's like know? normal to her.
0: Mm-hmm. Luckily, Frank was like, i love her send her here i'll raise her so courtney went back to portland where she was raised by him and finally finally had some stability Mm -hmm. this allowed her for the first time to immerse herself in stuff like art classes and acting classes and she started to do really well i don't know what it is about her man but i have like such a soft spot for her it's like uh, i don't know because
1: the universe did her wrong Mhm, and like she's so strong and talented and resilient. Yeah, you want to see her win. She's an underdog.
0: Yeah, and it's like at every turn of the story, there's like something, and like she surprises fuck.
1: you. That's that's another yeah. huge thing too. Yeah, like maybe sh- I love somebody who like I don't know, just like surprises you, or just like you For think sure. you know have them figured out, and then
0: never, yeah. Break, you know? <laughs> So she talks in her behind the music about how she obviously she felt like her mom didn't love her because right. well, yeah. she she abandoned her. Right. So.
1: What kind of mom <laughs> would right. do that if they love their child? Right.
0: And it's not like she abandoned her, not like her grandmother who's like, OK, maybe somebody can give this child a better life. It wasn't like that. She was just like, I'm done.
1: Yeah. You like, know, this is too hard sucks. for me. Yeah.
0: yeah so she's like there was no other conclusion for her but that she must be worthless she must be unlovable there must be something wrong with her and that just it breaks my heart because she was just a fucking kid yeah god bless frank and the people like him do more on him later at 14 courtney was arrested for shoplifting a t-shirt and there was drama i think partially because she had that schizoid diagnosis on her record So for some reason, I think they thought Frank wasn't equipped to take care of her. So they took her from him and she was sent to juvie. Whoa. Yeah. And then uh, after she finished her sentence in juvie, they put her in foster care where she was repeatedly molested until she was able to get legally emancipated at 16. Oh, my God. She then starts stripping. Obviously illegally because she was still underage. Uh Uh-huh. Which is why this is also why she was perfect in the role of Althea, because this is exactly Althea's story, basically. Uh, So this is also when she started using the stage name Love while she was dancing. So she has a million jobs during this time, dancing, DJing at gay clubs, picking berries, you name it. All to support herself and to pay tuition at Portland State, where she was studying English and philosophy all before the age 17. That's insane. She has eight.
1: no parent telling her go to college. Right. Exactly. She, she's just going to college. And it wasn't a time back then where like that was a thing. Women went to college. It wasn't you know. expected of her in no, any way. Shape, women or form. <laughs> were expected to get married and settle right. down and stuff. Yeah. Well, I guess I don't know. Are we still in the 60s or is it 70s now? It's late 70s. Now. Oh, OK. So it's not.
0: Thinking I mean like of a different
1: era, but still No,
0: but you're right. There was no expert if she wanted to do that, cool. It was like the era where she could have done that or she could not, she could have like easily done whatever yeah, the fuck.
1: Exactly. And she still chose. Yeah, exactly.
0: And also she's just like I think she the way her mind works, I think that she's just like drawn to reading and history and Higher stuff. And learning. She just, yeah. By 18 in 1981, she got her trust fund because remember her her grandparents were her adoptive grandparents were pretty wealthy. Uh And so she used that money to move to Ireland where her biological father was living so that she could go to Trinity Trinity College, which is awesome since she was into philosophy. Right. I'm not sure what happened there, though, because she left school after a year and moved to Liverpool to hang out with bands (laughs) and Mm. sort of experience that scene for a little bit. In 1983, she then moved to Japan and later to Taiwan, where she worked again as a dancer. When she got back to the States, her focus shifted to music and she tried to get a few bands off the ground in both Portland and San Francisco, but nothing quite worked out. She was briefly a singer for Faith No More. Do you remember that band? Yeah, wow. <laughs> anyway, they kicked her out because they wanted to have a more, they wanted like a, a male frontman instead. Mm-hmm. So then she moved to Minnesota for a little bit. Shout out to Minnesota, where her homegirl Kat Balin from the band Babes in Toyland lived. She moved there to work as a concert promoter. Okay. So she was working in the industry, I guess, but like that's not what she really wanted. Right. So Kat says that one day Courtney told her, quote, I'm going to go to LA, I'm going to get my face done, and I'm going to be famous. <laughs> and then she did. <laughs> So Courtney has a trust fund though.
1: So that's why she's able to do a bunch of this shit.
0: It was like, not like a huge trust fund, right. but it it was enough for her to make that initial move. I think she said the number, I want to say it was like a thousand dollars a month or something. It
1: that's was like, a lot
0: <laughs> back then it was able, it was enough for her to move to Ireland and pay her tuition at Trinity. And then when she left school, it was enough to like finance her, um, her travels to asia and then that was it like i think she spent it at that oh point. okay so courtney then decided to see if she could become an actress and get her career off the ground that way she enrolled at the san francisco art institute to study and actually got an audition for the role of nancy in 1986's Sid and nancy which i think you talked about in the Sid and nancy episode yeah she didn't get the nancy part which i think would have been perfect for her but yeah makes <laughs> no fucking sense. in the in the Kurt loader interview i saw she was like but thank god i didn't because it would it was
1: a bad movie yeah and it would have changed
0: the whole trajectory of her life she wouldn't have done anything that she ended up doing afterwards right so uh the director alex cox was so captivated by her that he offered her a small part in that film and the lead in his next film straight to hell which filmed in Spain with Joe Strummer of The Clash and Grace Jones. And she worked at a peep show in Times Square for extra cash in between these roles. But Alex Cox really changed her life because Andy Warhol saw her in Straight to Hell and, inter- and interviewed her for his talk show, Andy Warhol's 15 Minutes, which in turn led to her appearing in the video for the Ramones' I Want to Be Sedated. So she was becoming not like famous famous, but definitely New York famous. She was like an it girl. Yeah, for sure. She kind of wasn't feeling that sort of attention. Like, it seems like she was just famous enough to be annoyed by the fame, but still, like, poor. Right. (laughs) And still uh, not getting any of the perks of fame. So she left New York and moved back to Oregon and kept dancing. But even there, guys at the club would still be like, where do I know you from? Yeah. (laughs) And it was still the same shit. So she ended up moving to Alaska again to work as a dancer. And to come up with a more concrete plan for the future. Finally, near the end of 1988, she did move to LA and started working at Jumbo's clown room. Uh. <laughs> There's a place I hope will survive in a post COVID nineteen world, because I mean, I don't know if they're gonna
1: That's true still, actually wow, still man. be there.
0: Yeah. Anyway, Courtney taught herself to play guitar while she was in Alaska. Yeah, because
1: what the fuck else is there to do over there? Exactly.
0: Stripping for fucking fishermen. Yeah. So anyway, so good on her, dude. She really did take that time to get her shit together. Yeah. And she took out. So now we're back in L.A. And she took out an ad in a local paper that said, quote, I want to start a band. My influences are Big Black, Sonic Youth and Fleetwood Mac and her phone number. How funny. And then the rest is history. Yeah. (laughs) Hole was formed based off of that ad in early 1989. Fucking crazy. She was like, I'll, I want to start a band. Yeah. Hit me up. 505 539 0556. So there have been a lot of people in Hole over the years, but its main members are Courtney and the lead guitarist slash co writer Eric Erlandson. And the two of them just really fucking complimented each other from the jump. Yeah. Right before she put out the ad, Courtney was married to a dude from some fucking band for like five seconds. That marriage was quickly annulled, and she and Eric dated for over a year. But obviously, the friendship and working relationship outlasted their romantic one. So, this is it. This is Holt. And Courtney was doing whatever it took to make sure that this thing succeeded. She continued to dance at Jumbo's and at the Seventh Veil to buy the band's equipment and a fan and like whatever else they needed. This went on for about a year until the end of 1989 when a Holt finally played their first show and got some radio interest from K-Rock for their first single Re- oh. <laughs> for their first single uh, R Word Girl. To me, this song isn't great, uh, but I think it shows a lot of potential. And somehow, someway, by the end of 1990, Hole opened for Sonic Youth at the Whiskey. Nice. And and a few months later, Courtney wrote Kim Gordon a letter begging her to produce Hole's album, and Kim said yes wow <laughs> and later that year whole drop-
1: kim pretty much like i don't know she like made nirvana like she got them too right yeah she's so the, smart uh,
0: she's a visionary oh yeah i want to read every book. time i
1: th- oh it's so fucking good yeah, me oh god i love it i that's a book that i pre-ordered i was so excited <laughs> i always think of when i fucking freaked out when i saw her at a <laughs>
0: I always think about 12. that too because you couldn't get it out. <laughs> like, I know. Please now tell me. Tell me. <laughs>
1: May, uh, uh, and May was like what? What? <laughs> and
0: you were looking around like what? Uh, yeah. I for sure want to read her book. I also want to read uh, Patty Smith's book. The one with the one about her friendship with Robert Maplethorpe. Yeah. I like
1: I want to read a Patty Smith book. Yeah Mm mm-hmm
0: uh so where was i okay so kim gordon said yes which is fucking wild too like shout out to her and later that year hole dropped their debut album the critically acclaimed pretty on the inside again to me i don't i don't love this album especially in hindsight i think it's just i compared to like what comes later but i bet in 91 when there wasn't a whole lot of music like this out it must have been like pretty Fucking cool, yeah. I mean, it definitely was because Hole became kind of buzzy indie darlings and toured with mud honey and on the back of that, opened for the Smashing Pumpkins. Pumpkins, the pumpkin mm-hmm. one. <laughs> <laughs> and during that tour, Courtney dated Billy Corgan, and they Ugh. were <laughs> they were super hot and heavy for a minute. Uh, but I think that both of them were just having fun, and they got they just like got along so well that it wasn't like a big like serious thing for both of them they are just like they understood each other so that they knew like oh this is just for fun you know right and even after they broke up they remained really close friends even to this day I saw Billy talking about how no matter their ups and downs they will always always love each other and he will always be there for her because they've just been through so much together drugs relationships career whatever but they like always find each other Another reason why it didn't work out was, of course, because Courtney met Kurt Cobain that same year. Hey. (laughs) And on that note, I'm going to let Stephanie take over.
1: Hand over the mic. Mm
0: -hmm. Okay.
1: So I'm going to talk about Kurt. Kurt is pretty famously from Washington. I think that's like kind of goes hand in hand with Kurt.
0: Yeah. (laughs) I, I never understood his accent. But then like I saw I was watching like some documentary like like, James Franco.
1: He talks like he's from Brooklyn or something. Well, I
0: I saw like the like some people that he grew up with and they all talk like that. Hmm. So I think that is an accent from up there.
1: Okay, so Kurt was born in 1967 in Aberdeen, Washington, small ass town. Mm -hmm. His mom was a waitress and his dad was a mechanic and he had a, a sister that was born three years after him uh like pretty much every songwriter i've covered on here he was very musically inclined very early on he had a family that loved music his parents loved jazz his uncles were in bands and shit Mm -hmm. and so he was playing piano and writing music by like age four i think his wow i think his dad said something like he wrote a song like one day like i went to the park and like would sing it and stuff
0: yeah did you see that little girl singing this week? Oh, it was that was like, so cute. I wonder what's inside your butthole. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Such like a funny, innocent thing that only a kid could
0: yeah. do, right? It's slap though. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> so growing up, Kurt's favorite bands were Electric Light Orchestra. Shout out to my dad. Uh,
0: <laughs> no, I like Electric Light Orchestra. Well, so
1: do I, but it's totally my dad's yeah. thing, you know? Uh, and the Beatles. Oh, So Kurt's parents divorced when he was nine and just like Courtney this had a profound effect on his life. Mm -hmm. He became super withdrawn and super rebellious and he said that for some reason he felt ashamed about it when he was a kid.
0: Oh because people didn't get divorced back then.
1: Yeah and it was kind of like something shameful back then.
0: Yeah remember on Mad Men that bitch helen bishop who goes to live on their in their neighborhood and then everyone's like oh she goes she's
1: divorced yeah he said he wanted to have a classic family and that kind of security Mm -hmm. that came with having a classic family so he resented his parents for not being able to make it work Mm -hmm. and after that music just kind of became his refuge Mm
0: -hmm.
1: kurt's dad moved on and got married shortly after to a woman who had two children of her own So then Kurt moved in with his dad, the new wife, and her kids. And so this was super hard on him. He gained a half-brother. And at that point, his sister says, like, Kurt, you don't understand, like, Kurt was the son. He was, like, the golden child of our family. Oh. So then they got a half-brother, and suddenly he wasn't really special anymore. Yeah. So Kurt's mom... So then, okay, so then on the other side of things... Kurt's mom started dating a man who was abusing her. No. And so they were living with both parents and his mom had one time gotten hospitalized for the guy had broke her arm. What the fuck? Kurt had seen a bunch of this stuff go down and he says that his mom always refused to press charges. Even the time that he broke her arm, she (gasps) refused to press charges against him. So he's like, it's so hard as a kid to see your parent do this to themselves. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: And he's, like, just old enough to where he knows what it is, right? Right. Because he's, like, what, 10, 11, 12?
1: So his uncle, around this time in his life, gifted him his first guitar, and then Kurt completely devoted his free time to learning to play his own music and write his own songs. Uh, Meanwhile, at school, he's still being really rebellious and starts bullying other kids, and his dad took him to a therapist. Mm -hmm. And his mother at that time signed over full custody to his dad, which was unprecedented. Like that didn't happen back then. Right. But she was in a really bad place. And I think she was like, it's better that you guys stay with your dad. Okay. so Kurt's dad tried to push him into like sports and shit, but Kurt was not having it. He said at this point in school, he liked being left alone. And so he found that befriending gay people Mm would get others to leave him alone because then they would just think that he was gay. And uh-huh. since this was like so controversial at that time, that's what he, he liked to be left alone. So that's how he would go about it. Later right. on, he says that he, he thinks he might be bisexual and he's somebody that we would see out and about in Courtney's dresses.
0: Oh yeah. So sure. he was
1: definitely comfortable with his sexuality and its fluidity.
0: Yeah. I've seen like, uh, earlier this year I saw there was like a whole Reddit thread about people talking, saying that he was trans and I feel like that's kind of fucked up because I mean, it's not fucked up to be trans. I mean, it's like fucked up to push that agenda on, on someone. someone.
1: Yeah. I don't like when people do that to anybody that's no longer here. Like,
0: yeah, it also kind of,
1: I don't know. I just don't like when people do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so Kurt's dad couldn't handle all of him and he ended up leaving him in the care of various family members. Oh, shit. And at one point, Kurt was living with this uncle who was super Christian. And so Kurt became a crazy devout Christian. Wow. And then later on, completely renounced Christianity.
0: Uh-huh.
1: In his sophomore year of high school, Kurt moved back in with his mom, dropped out two weeks before graduation upon realizing that he wasn't going to have enough credits to graduate anyways. Oh. So his mom gave him the ultimatum, get a job or get out. A week mm-hmm. later, she had packed his shit in boxes and he took off to squat with friends, occasionally sneaking back into his mom's house to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> wow. By this point, he was pretty into the punk Seattle scene Mm -hmm. and he hung out with the Melvins and was a huge Black Flag fan. So he was always going to shows and shit and just Mm -hmm. in that scene, he met a woman named Tracy Maringer, and they started a romantic relationship. Tracy helped support Kurt while working at the Seattle Tacoma Airport and he would just work on his quote band that he had started. (laughs) Okay. Uh, the description like when she talks about the relationship it reminds me of that one daydream that daria has when she's when married she marries to Trent. Trent. yeah <laughs> and she's like a chemist and she comes home and he's on the couch yeah. talking about changing the name of mystic spiral <laughs> i started laughing um so kurt jo- kurt was like i'm gonna start a band he gets together with his high school friend chris Novoselic. Uh-huh. Novoselic, Novoselic, Novoselic. And uh, they start jamming out together. Kurt and Chris are having trouble first finding a good drummer and later drawing a substantial crowd at their gigs. Mm-hmm. But in 1988, they finally found Chad Channing and settled on the band named Nirvana and recorded their debut album named Bleach in 1989. Nice. Meanwhile, Kurt started work at a ja- as a janitor at a local YMCA and discovered his fondness for Codeine and Vicodin. Uh uh. which his coworkers helped him get.
0: Is it he, he? was at the the airport.
1: No, no, no. YMCA
0: at uh, the YMCA. Oh, okay. Because I was like, is he? Are they confiscating this from
1: people? <laughs> I imagine, right? <laughs> so Kurt and Tracy broke up, but no worries, because he's in Washington during the start of the new decade that would define his life and many of ours—the motherfucking nineties. Mm-hmm. Yes. In 1990, he met the woman, the myth, the legend, Toby Vale. Mm-hmm. Known mostly for being in Bikini Kill. Mm-hmm. When they met, Kurt allegedly vomited because he was instantly infatuated with her and he says he couldn't control himself oh, shit. Wow. I know. So romantic. Oh, God. He-
0: <laughs> That's how I met your mother. <laughs>
1: <laughs> he thought of Toby as his counterpart, but they were never going to work as a couple because they just wanted totally different things. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they had a ton in common and they were attracted to each other. But remember that Kurt had gone through this crazy hard divorce as a kid with his parents. Yeah. And he was looking for the comfort and safety of a traditional type of relationship. And Toby was a huge feminist activist who saw traditional relationships as sexist and demeaning. Mm-hmm. They collabed together on a group called Bathtub is Real. Mm-hmm. And they dropped some songs and they both sang and played instruments, hung out and discussed politics, but pretty quickly called it quits as a couple.
0: Okay.
1: Fun fact. Yep. While discussing punk and anarchism with Kathleen Hanna, the other, mm-hmm. another member of Bikini Kill.
0: She's going to come up later in my story. Hell yeah.
1: Kathleen spray painted Kurt Smells Like Teen Spirit on his apartment wall. Oh, Yeah. Teen Spirit was the name of the deodorant that Toby wore, but Kurt didn't know that. And so he thought this was like some revolutionary scene.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Another fun
1: fact in the four months <laughs> in the four months following their split, Kurt wrote half a dozen of Nirvana's most memorable songs that would come to encompass, nevermind. Wow. Okay, so back to Nirvana. Kurt ended up having a ton of style differences with the drummer that they had found, Chad. So mm-hmm. they ended up kicking him out of the band. He and Chris then also put an ad up that they were looking for a drummer. And they met and hired local drummer Dave Grohl. Dave Shout Grohl. out to Dave Grohl. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Just the fucking coolest guy, right? There's a cool white boy, Mae.
0: Cool white boy, for sure.
1: Yeah, we don't even have to fucking yeah. argue there, with that there's for no a debate. second. Yeah, yeah. He's cool. Dave Grohl, you up there. You up there with Dave Hawkins. <laughs> <laughs> with Dave, Kurt and Krist found perfect harmony. And he jumped on just in time to record the 1991 major label debut, Nevermind. Hey. Nirvana's sound was a blend of hard rock punk attitude and alt rock of the 80s. Not that I have to describe it. We all know what Nirvana sounds like, right? Yeah, yeah. Kurt had met Kim Gordon in Washington and she heard Nirvana and then she helped sign them on to what is now known as A&M Records. Mm -hmm. And that's how they were able to record Nevermind It Became the Huge Hit and then they went on tour with Sonic Youth that summer. So everything is set in place for the inevitable bomb that would be Nirvana, the band. Yeah. While still part of this emerging underground alt-rock scene, Kurt met a girl named... Courtney. Courtney. Courtney yes. <laughs> Courtney Love at Satiricon Nightclub. Mm-hmm. Kurt was still coming off the breakup from Toby and was not really interested in Courtney's advances at first. Mm-hmm. He would blow off dates and ignore her because at this time, like I said, he was coming off the breakup. He he just wasn't sure he wanted to jump into another full-blown thing.
0: Yeah. And, and also, the you've got to be at least partially distracted by the fact that you've got like a lot of music coming out <laughs> yeah it's like you just yeah. like somehow
1: <laughs> drop the biggest album of the decade and you yeah, don't even yeah. know it
0: right so he wanted to be single
1: and obviously focus on nirvana which i think we've all gone through those moments where mm-hmm. you're longing mm-hmm. for that kind of freeness yeah not that i think his behavior towards courtney was okay the way i hear him and her describe it it kind of seemed to me like he was playing fuckboy games with her at first in the beginning Mm-hmm. And Courtney was up for the challenge and pursued him even when faced with that rejection, eventually winning him over.
0: I heard her say something really funny. She was like, she just thought he was really cute. Like she was crushing on him. Right. And she was like, he was so cute. And I saw his nose and she said he had the cutest nose in in rock and roll, aside from Axl Rose, and I wasn't gonna breed with Axl Rose. <laughs> that's
1: funny i guess if you've had a nose job you should look for someone with a great nose right
0: you have to like, that's like balance interesting. it out yeah and also i think courtney has like um she has a uh like a chip on her shoulder about her looks yeah so i think that of course that was important to her
1: right okay so smells like teen spirit became the lead single and the band jumped straight into the mainstream popularizing this subgenre of rock that became known as grunge the album sold over 10 million copies. I don't think I don't... I'm, I mean, I'm not going to go into how fucking gigantic Nevermind and Nirvana was. Mm-hmm, because, mm-hmm. like I said, it just defined this fucking decade. And we're yeah. all of that age. Like, we all know that. I yeah. don't think we have listeners that wouldn't know this era.
0: Or maybe if they weren't there, they realized, like, the shadow that that era cast on, like... Right. The rest of the decade.
1: Right. <laughs> so suffice to say, it was fucking gigantic and led to this wave of other Seattle music and grunge music and all this stuff hitting the mainstream.
0: Mm-hmm. And the fashion. fashion. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
1: yeah. Fashion style, like attitude, everything. Yeah.
0: So Kurt
1: was very not okay with how huge Nirvana became. Mm-hmm. He wasn't ready for it to blow up this way. He was almost homeless right before Mm -hmm. the the out like during the recording of the album and everything you know Mm -hmm. he was kind of involved in this underground root scene and suddenly he was on the cover of magazines all over mtv he was persecuted by the media Mm -hmm. and i've i was gonna go back and look at all the episodes where it's like fame happened too fast for them like it's a recipe for disaster oh yeah for sure He felt like a lot of the hype was built by people who didn't even acknowledge or care about his social or political views and what the band stood for. Uh And he was really proud of being an opponent of racism and sexism and homophobia. Mm -hmm. But nobody else seemed to give a shit about that part of him and the band. Yeah, for sure. They just liked his greasy hair and ripped up thermal. Mm -hmm. And the fact that he and Courtney were at this time like modern day Sid and Nancy. Mm Mm-hmm. So the band went on tour right after the release of the album and the record label wanted them to jump on another tour right when they came back because the job, the album had jumped to number one. But Kurt fucking refused publicly, only making him seem cooler to his fans when that news came out. Oh, yeah, for sure. Because it's like, oh, he's not even in it for the money. He's against this corporate bullshit.
0: And then all of that is now adding to like the pressure of this person that now he has like the 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 character of of Kurt Cobain that now he has to like carry this mantle of being that guy right that's who that's too much mm,
1: yeah he and the, he's
0: we have to remember they're young they're young as yeah.
1: fuck yeah so it's like 1990 he was born in 67 he's 23 years old yeah yeah it's fucking crazy how many times have we said that remember me at 23 like no
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah you know? exactly yeah.
1: So Kurt at this time, obviously still interested in championing, championing his homies indie bands by covering their music and wearing their t-shirts during different photo shoots and interviews. And this ended up making the scene of music he was in like grunge way bigger too, because he had a lot of pull. Yeah. So anyone he let sit on his coattail kind of ended up getting this bigger fan base and becoming more successful. And then we saw alt rock and grunge just kind of take over the 90s. Mm-hmm. Then Nirvana dropped in utero to another Round of massive commercial success mm-hmm. and another world tour full of drugs and booze. Yeah. um After in utero is when they did unplugged. I didn't write anything about unplugged, but unplugged was huge. Like Nirvana only has three albums, so if you don't yeah. count un- uh, unplugged, their catalog of music is really small. So right. their unplugged was really big, and for me, that's how I remember Kurt. Like that picture of him in that green cardigan.
0: Yeah, performing. Same. Because when we were kids, that was MTV and they would play it all All the the time. time. (laughs) Yeah. I read this
1: funny thing about their Unplugged uh, that Kurt had like a lot of problems playing his music acoustically. Mm -hmm. So his is not Unplugged. His is totally. And when I (laughs) rewatched it, I was like, oh, my God, this is totally not acoustic. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right.
0: And that Unplugged is great. i I listened to it i didn't watch it i should watch it you should it's so good but i listened to it and i was like did not remember that they don't really play any of their
1: they don't play any hits and they mostly play covers
0: right they mostly play covers. the only like hit is come Come as you you are are. yeah and that was like
1: him throwing them a bone because he was fighting with mtv yeah anyways okay so then kurt and courtney got married in hawaii On February 24th, 1992, days after finishing Nirvana's Pacific Rim Tour, Mm -hmm. Courtney famously wore a satin and lace dress once owned by Francis Farmer, and Kurt wore green pajamas because he had, quote, been too lazy to put on a tux. (laughs) There were only eight people in attendance, including Dave Grohl. She was pregnant, and Francis was born in August later that year. Kurt really loved Francis And i think that he wanted to be a good dad yeah because he definitely like i said kurt has this whole thing about him not thing but like what is that like just this chip on his shoulder about he wants that family Mm -hmm. because of what he had gone through with his own family
0: and the expectations of just like anyone who grew up in that era i think to have that perfect White picket fence cookie bullshit. Shit. Yeah. yeah, a station wagon. Yeah, <laughs> but
1: this proved to be way too hard for him and him and Courtney. The media surrounded them as a couple, con- like all times. Like whatever they did was like on the mm-hmm. cover of shit because they were they were like typical rock stars, and yeah, you don't really get a rock star like that that often anymore,
0: Ex- especially not two of them
1: right together. Yeah. <laughs> And then more, so, it, everything got heightened after Courtney famously gave an interview where she said she was still using heroin when she found out she was pregnant. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't say much about that because I figured you covered that drama.
0: So that was uh, September of 1992, and that was in Vanity, Vanity Fair. Fair. Yeah, uh, it was a story called "Strange Love," which I think. You should read um, if you're interested in this couple, which I I figure listeners of this podcast probably are, and also fans of Vanity Fair, which (laughs) you guys know we all are. (laughs) (laughs) So Courtney admitted in this interview that she used heroin while she was pregnant, which resulted in Francis being taken from the couple by uh, Child Protective Services and primary custody given to Courtney's sister, Jamie. Right. Courtney subsequently clarified that while she did use heroin early in the pregnancy, as soon as she found out she was pregnant, she quit. Right. So she suggests that she was misquoted in Vanity Fair.
1: Right. Like they made it seem like she was using, like her and Kurt were using.
0: Yeah. But it was like... like. Most like a lot
1: of women who, wh- before they know they're pregnant, maybe still have alcohol, you know, or smoke cigarettes or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Well, she was a heroin user, so maybe she did heroin, right. you know? Yeah.
0: I don't know how you feel about Courtney if you think that she's believable. And like when she says stuff like this, I, I feel like I think Courtney is honest to a fault except for about her use of drugs, ab- uh, about her addiction, which I think is normal. Right. So, yeah I think that's what
1: addicts do right
0: right so I I mean I, but I do kind of I believe this because she seems just like her I think that she has this like desire to have this family and this child and have it be perfect
1: it's also funny to me like you think of them and who they are I don't know as individuals and like their style and everything and then it's mm-hmm. like they got married in Hawaii you know like there's something yeah. so traditional and corny about Co- that quaint yeah and yeah. it's like yeah. so off-brand and i actually yeah. love it because it's so honest and right and people think that because you like certain things like maybe that's a personality trait or you do certain things uh-huh. but not necessarily you know
0: yeah i know yeah, Some shit sure. is just
1: facades i actually really like that they got married like that
0: i know by themselves basically yeah yeah, yeah. that's sweet so like the last thing i have to say about the like their relationship together is that uh the public who had already seriously vilified her at this point. Right rightfully lost her shit at like her for endangering her baby and Courtney's reputation basically never recovered. Right. It's really shitty. Like she it's was almost she had
1: the worst thing she could have said.
0: ugh it's it is the worst thing yeah, she could have like, said. What, what could be worse like right. than that? Because she was already she was already looked at like people were already calling her like Yoko. Oh no, but worse, or yeah, whatever. And then like, like on top of everything, and... this happens. Yeah, so yeah, so go on. That's all, that's all I have.
1: Okay. So I so also another thing with Kurt, which people always talk about, and I don't know if I believe. And Dave Grohl has says has said he doesn't know if he believes, but Kurt claimed that he had a chronic stomach condition, which caused him like excruciating pain uh-huh and so i didn't know
0: that dave doesn't believe this
1: yeah so he says that this pushes this pushed his drug use because the pain yeah. caused him to self-medicate with everything basically like right like everything he says weed lsd acid alcohol like i'm sorry uh-huh. but no <laughs> um and a Crohn's, lot of-
0: right is it is it Crohn's that that's what they, believe, they or... i mean it's un- it's undiagnosed it's undiagnosed like, yeah. Yeah. yeah so
1: but so a lot of people in the band and like people mm-hmm. that know him just say that he used to say that just to like kind of give himself justify? an excuse yeah or justify oh, his God. own drug use yeah but basically kurt cobain looking back now and like revisiting his revisiting his life and everything revisiting Mm -hmm. revisit yeah yeah, yeah. okay sorry (laughs) revisit that why does that sound wrong revisiting (laughs) his life in this concise way like i have for Uh the episode yeah he literally lived the most high risk unhealthy lifestyle i can fucking think of yeah true including his depression Mm -hmm. kurt's family had a history of suicide and alcoholism Mm -hmm. two of his uncles died by suicide Wow, And Kurt just didn't use or didn't care to seek any resources to help him deal with all those huh. emotional problems that he had. Yeah, Around 1986, Kurt began using heroin and he used it sporadically until nirvana blew up at the end of 1990- 1990. At this point, he was full-blown addicted. And Kurt would talk about it publicly and said that he feels like he was kind of determined to become an addict. Like, huh. he wasn't addicted at first, but then he was, like, kind of determined, so he used it several days in a row. What? What? Th- that's just, like, so- just self-destructive. Exactly. Like, he's just kind of, like, he sees the limit and he fucking pushes himself over it. Yeah. You know? He recognizes it. He knows he should stop. Right. But he's just like, nah.
0: Courtney talks about using heroin in the 80s, too, and it's like, I don't think she... I, I don't get that vibe from her that she was determined to become an addict. I think she was just fucking partying. Yeah, she like was having a good time. Young. Yeah. 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 You think you're indestructible. And she said it was like the cool thing to do. Like if you weren't doing heroin, you weren't fucking cool. Like in Imagine those circles. Imagine in that scene.
1: Yeah, of yeah. course. Yeah, for sure. Kurt's drug use heavily affected the Nevermind tour. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were famously set to perform in SNL in 1992. By the way, you could see some promos of them with Charles Barkley, which is like the most awkward thing in the what? world. Mm-hmm. that's really cute <laughs> but you know how snl does those photo sessions with the people and that they're are gonna so be on? good yeah yeah kurt fell asleep during the first round of photo oh, sessions god. so for a while they were gonna not do the episode and it was like a whole fucking thing anyways Chris imagine and-
0: lord michaels oh my god
1: kristen <laughs> dave Grohl were fucking not having it like they were uh-huh. getting tired of kurt and his antics
0: and dave is like Dave doesn't do anything, right? He's kind of... Sober. Sober, right?
1: For the most part, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And Dave, I think, now seeing Dave's career and how it, like, fucking flourished after Nirvana, Mm -hmm. I bet, like, at that point, Dave was, you know, he's the drummer. Like, he was in the shadow of who Kurt Uh Cobain was and all that. And so I bet he was, like, dying to break free. Right. Yeah. In July 1993, Kurt suffered an overdose of heroin while he was with Courtney. She injected him with naloc- naloxone uh, instead of calling an ambulance, and then Kurt got a surge of energy, and she threw him on stage to perform with Nirvana right after. This was like what behind stage fuck? of a show. Yeah. <laughs>
0: what the fuck? Yeah, you're man. good. Get up there. <laughs> <laughs> you better go make that money. You make that money. Dead. <laughs>
1: After a tour stop at Terminal Elms in Munich, Kurt was diagnosed with bronchitis and laryngitis. So now we're in March 1994. He was flown to Rome for medical treatment where he was then joined by his wife, Courtney. The next morning, Courtney woke up and found that Kurt had overdosed on champagne and rohypnol. He was rushed to the hospital where he was unconscious for the rest of the day. And then he stayed hospitalized for five days afterwards before finally being released and returned to Seattle with Courtney. Later, Courtney says this was his first suicide attempt, but that's not the way that it was diagnosed or treated at the time. Mm -hmm. So it just kind of went under the radar in the media and in their lives. Like she didn't tell him to seek help or she didn't really she didn't. How do you say that? She didn't react to it as a suicide attempt.
0: Well, it's like you said that uh, he was—he lived a very reckless lifestyle. So this could absolutely, I mean,
1: be overseen be, or overlooked. At as yeah,
0: he took too many pills. Is what I always hear friends of his say. Like we all just thought he took too many pills.
1: Right, right. On March eighteenth, nineteen ninety four, Courtney called. Courtney called Seattle police uh, because Kurt had locked himself in a room with a gun. So this was. Jesus. Just a few days after coming home from from Rome to Seattle, Uh she told police that he was suicidal. They arrived and confiscated several guns and a bottle of pills from Kurt, who insisted that he was not suicidal. Rather, he just needed space from Courtney, which I think is such a shitty thing for him to have said. Yeah, for sure. Courtney arranged an intervention on March 25th, 1994, including his friends, musicians, some record company execs, it was unsuccessful and immediately pissed him off. He went upstairs and locked himself in a bedroom before Courtney pleaded with him. And finally, everybody got him to agree to enter a detox program.
0: I, I saw that Courtney told Barbara Walters that this was her biggest regret, this intervention. Really? She said that it. She she feels that he felt attacked and she said that she should have known that he would have felt that way as an addict and as his partner
1: yeah that's true actually because he's so sensitive and she should know him that well like that's not the way to approach that
0: so she said that she felt like this is the moment that the time that she looks back and says like could i have done anything and she says that this is the moment where okay i should not have done that and Mm -hmm. she said that during this intervention she also told him that he had dropped francis had he yes but she Not. said that she. I was going to obviously. I don't want to say obviously,
1: but like, right, it doesn't shock me.
0: And she said that they were always sweet to each other, but that she was obviously furious that he had dropped the baby, and she told him like, "You dropped Francis." And he she said that like, in hindsight, like oh, she that's saw the, oh god the the change in his like I can't like I did you know well yeah. he accepted th- because he's he accepted so sensitive
1: it. and he's yeah. like gonna blame himself for that uh-huh. forever you yeah. know. Ooh. So then on March 30th, 1994, Kurt entered the Exodus Recovery Center in Los Angeles. The staff were not aware of his prior suicide attempts or the history of depression
0: in what his family fuck? and
1: in himself. I know. But Kurt's depression, I think, kind of went undiagnosed and mm-hmm. tr- obviously untreated his whole yeah. life but I think his depression goes all the way back like to his parents divorce right?
0: For sure.
1: Yeah and like that self-destructive rebellion teen- that people back then probably was like oh he's a fucking teenager or whatever. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah but he was definitely depressed probably most of his life and that mm-hmm. wasn't documented by any doctors or anybody. Right. So I don't think that the people at the recovery center grasped the fucking like the
0: magnitude of like what they were dealing with yeah Yeah. like
1: he needed to be put on what is that hold called
0: 5150
1: yeah 5150 hold like he Mm -hmm. that's what he needed but they didn't do that okay so friends who visited him didn't see him in any sort of suicidal state of mind is what they said Mm -hmm. they said that he spent the first day talking to counselors playing guitar with his daughter francis is very famously said that that's the last moment he spent with his daughter and then the very next night, Kurt walked outside of the facility under the guise of wanting a cigarette, and he then hopped a six-foot fence and took off. He grabbed a cab to LAX and flew directly to Seattle. His family and friends did not know where he was. On April 2nd and 3rd, he was spotted around town by fans in Seattle. On April 3rd, Courtney called and hired a private investigator to help find Kurt. He was not seen by anyone on April 4th. On April 7th, Nirvana pulled out of Lollapalooza amidst rumors of a pending breakup. Hmm. On April 8th, Kurt's body was discovered at his home in Seattle by electrician Gary Smith. I don't, I don't know. Should I say his last name? Who had arrived to install a security system. The only trauma at that time was minor blood coming out of his ear, so Gary said he didn't even think that he was really dead until he Mm -hmm. saw the shotgun next to him. They found a suicide note addressed to his imaginary friend Boda and then one addressed to Courtney. Mm. The toxicology report found a large concentration of heroin and diazepam in his system at the time of his death. The coroner then estimated that Kurt had died around April 5th.
0: Oh, so he, his body had been sitting there. For
1: like three days. Yeah. He was 27 years old. Wow. A public vigil was held for Cobain on April 10th, 1994 at Seattle Center drawing approximately 7,000 mourners and pre-recorded messages by Chris and Courtney Love were famously played at the memorial because she read portions of the suicide note that he had left to her to the crowd. He also left a note to Francis. Actually, I forgot to mm-hmm. mention that. Um, and in the, those recordings are so sad. Don't listen to him. Mm-hmm. She's like crying and saying she doesn't know what she would have done. And yeah, she's like, and she's like angry. Yeah, she chastises him.
0: It's like everything. All it's at every once. emotion at once, which yeah. is, I mean, what, horrendous that's exactly to what listen you, to. Yeah. yeah.
1: Near the end of the vigil, Courtney showed up and she distributed some of his clothes to people who were still gathered around. Grohl said that the news of Cobain's death was, quote, probably the worst thing that has ever happened to me in my life. Mm. I remember the day after that I woke up and I was just like, what? He's gone. And I just felt like, "Okay, so I get to wake up today and have another day and Kurt doesn't. I can't imagine what it feels like for the band members.
0: Yeah, because that's your brother, basically. And
1: nobody knows, like, the magnitude of Nirvana and everything. Nobody else knows what that feels like other than Mm -hmm. the two other guys. So now one of them is gone, and you're like, where do I go from here? Yeah. That's another reason why I love Dave Grohl so much.
0: What? Just Just like what he's been through? That
1: he came out of those fucking, for lack of a better word, ashes and, like, rose. For sure.
0: Because he could have easily just drunk himself into oblivion or something or whatever. And lived
1: off those royalties forever, you know? Like, he didn't have to keep going, but he did. Mm -hmm. And, oh, man. Kurt's final ceremony was arranged by his mother on May 31st, 1999. His daughter, Frances, scattered his ashes into McLean Creek in Olympia, Washington.
0: Oh, that's where they lived, right? Yeah. Yeah, Like, Olympia?
1: Yeah. R.I.P. Kurt Cobain. R.I.P. The most. Too, too young. Too young. One of the most influential and talented musicians in history. Yeah, yeah for sure. So fucking horrible. <laughs> oh. Oh, so I'm, I'm gonna. Uh, yeah, I'll hand the mic back <laughs> over to you.
0: <laughs> I'm gonna pick up a week after Kurt's death in April of 1994. All right. That's when Hole released their second album. Wow. <laughs> the amazing. The iconic Live Through This. Yeah. Oh. I have some thoughts slash hot takes about Hulk. I, I guess. Because I as a matter of personal preference, I like Hulk more than Nirvana. Ooh. <laughs> but I don't I don't know if that's a hot take, because that's just personal preference. Right. Like I listen to this album all the time, way more than Nevermind. But my hot take is that I would say that objectively, Live Through This is just as good as Nevermind. Wow, me
1: that's crazy interesting cuz I would for sure be like no I I definitely like Nirvana more than whole. but now that you say that, I for sure listen to Live Through This more than nevermind cuz I and there's start- no
0: skips on Live Through This, yeah, first of all. <laughs> yeah,
1: and I li- I've been listening to Nevermind, like I said, like the last mm-hmm. week and a half since I've been working on this and like yeah, I've definitely listened to it more than ever and mm-hmm. probably Live Through This, I've done that before. just on my own
0: i think that the that the maybe because you're more
1: girls not to
0: yes for sure 1000 percent. but i i would say that the that the great songs on live through this are just as great as the great songs on nevermind
1: yeah because i don't really fuck with smells like teen spirit but
0: i don't know if it's because it's so played out it's played out but it's a good song it is but is it as good as uh well my favorite song is uh well one of my favorite Nirvana songs is uh
1: Drain You oh I love that song
0: baby
1: no and his his voice is just amazing it's like it's great. velvet yeah <laughs> it's so <laughs> fucking good yeah. but I definitely so, listened to Doll Parts more than I've ever listened to Smells Like Teen Spirit same yeah
0: yeah it's for sure interesting man. hot <laughs> guys,
1: damn. <laughs> fucking self
0: This fucking episode amazing i want to be the girl with In the, the most cake i mean i think it's it might be a hot take okay and then i the other thing that i wanted to say is i think that hole is underrated oh they because, are
1: underrated for sure
0: because of asexism like, just women and rock, I think, yeah, tend to be underrated. I, well,
1: I definitely like Sonic Youth more than I like both of these bands. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, and for so, sure. Yeah, for sure.
0: But Sonic Youth actually has, like, a deeper catalog. Like, just... So, more songs in general. So, there's more good songs. Because yeah. they were actually... They had it together. Yeah. <laughs> in right. terms of people. <laughs> fuck <laughs> so i think hole is underrated because of sexism they're underrated because Courtney's is just fucking difficult like her difficult ass like makes it difficult to root for her i think if you just look at the surface you know uh, also
1: i feel like so i think this happens with a lot of people where we lose them young it's like never uh, nirvana is like like sealed in time right like yeah and so you think of things like that like, Marilyn Monroe, like, she's sealed in time. Like, yeah, yeah. if we would have seen Marilyn, like, Elizabeth Taylor, like, go into her old age and mm-hmm, shit, mm-hmm. I don't think people would remember her the same fucking way, you know? Same. And yeah. that's my
0: and that's my third point. So that's that the was thing about exactly
1: Nirvana. Like, you're mm-hmm. always going to remember them just as fucking gigantic as the sun. Right. Yeah. Where you saw whole fizzle out. So you remember yeah. that, too.
0: Mm-hmm. And it's like, that because they're trapped in the amber rock like in jurassic park exactly yeah it's like we we compare any other uh, band that's remotely in that genre to them and it's like oh they're never gonna be as great yeah Yeah, it's it's yeah it's not fair
1: well i don't know is it fair or unfair i don't know we lost him and he no longer exists so is that fair or unfair i don't
0: know i mean i don't know i think i'd
1: rather still have him
0: (laughs) (laughs) but would you have rather had like I don't know seven other mediocre Nirvana albums.
1: No, Do you know? no, I mean, but when it comes to that or death, right? Yeah, yeah, sure, sure, sure. I
0: choose life. I'd, I'd rather have. Well, okay, let's see if you still feel that way when we hear more about Courtney's life.
1: All right, let's let's hear it.
0: <laughs> anyway, so obviously Courtney was in a spiral after Kurt's death. Uh, <sighs> Michael Stipe from REM uh, would call her multiple times a day, every day. This went on for like. Two years after Kurt's death just to make sure that she was alive and okay. Right. Not only was she barely holding on as an addict herself, at the time of Kurt's death, she was actually in rehab. They had both agreed to go to rehab together. That's why Kurt was in his own personal rehab and she was in another one. Right. So she's not only dealing with her own addiction, but the death of her husband. And she had, don't forget, an 18-month-old daughter to take care of. Seriously. And she had the weight and the hate and the expectations of Kurt's fans. So suffice it to say that she was a mess. Yeah, that's the worst is that I think people blame her.
1: Yeah. And no, like especially not now fair. looking back and everything, he lived the most unhealthy. He was going to die, whether yeah. by his own hand or drugs or whatever. Right. Like yeah. he wasn't going to live much longer going the way that he was going.
0: Yeah, it's just... It had nothing to
1: do with Courtney. Mm -mm.
0: And I actually think that had they not both been addicts, they were perfect for each other. Oh, yeah, for sure. They had gone through such similar childhoods and had similar interests as far as intellectually and even just, like, the kind of music that they listened to. I think that they would have been great, but it's, like, this added layer of the codependency. And uh, it just, like, it was a recipe for disaster. So Courtney was, I mean... Oh. had gone through the worst thing that Anybody. anyone <laughs> yeah. has ever gone through, basically. Not to mention that holds basis, Kristen Pfaff died of an overdose just two months after Kurt. Oh,
1: my God.
0: Courtney tells the story of being on the phone with one of my favorite music video directors, Sophie Muller, talking about an upcoming shoot and Eric yelling from the other room that Kristen was dead. And Courtney's on the phone with Sophie. Oh, my God. <laughs> Courtney's on the phone with Sophie and she tells Sophie, quote, I have to go. My bass player is fucking dead. Will this ever end? And and hangs up. Oh my god. The ninety four ninety five whole shows are infamous for being amazing and iconic because Courtney was openly working through her trauma on stage.
1: Yeah, she's so honest.
0: She would cry and scream and just yell. Kurt, Kurt, or just like speak to Kurt, his ghost, his spirit, or whatever. Wow. The. The footage from these shows are fucking wild. Uh, Courtney told Barbara Walters, quote, I wouldn't be alive if I didn't go on tour. I think that was like her, her therapy. Her therapy. Yeah. She says that looking back, no one. She didn't know that grief counseling was a thing. Right. And she said that that's 1000% what she needed. Right. But that's like, what I think like with
1: Kurt too. like imagine if like th- in this era, like if he were a child, mm-hmm. like how different yeah. his life might have turned out.
0: Oh, for sure. So she got arrested a couple times for fighting with members of the audience. She got arrested like for fighting with a um a flight attendant in an airplane. Wow. Uh, and she she pled guilty on assault charges after she threw a lit cigarette at Kathleen Hanna from Bikini Kill <laughs> and later La <Le> Tigre <laughs> before punching her in the face. Oh my god.
1: Shout out to La Tigre.
0: Eight. for real B- that's that is my like, high
1: school right there
0: that's what i was gonna say yeah.
1: i think i lost my virginity to <laughs>
0: <laughs> no i know what you lost your virginity to. Shut I- out <laughs> we'll play it one day it'll be like a easter egg at the end of an episode <laughs> oh my god um i didn't know that kathleen was married to Ad rock
1: oh me either that's cool fuck for both of them that's cool
0: so cool and I learned this two days ago and I keep thinking about that is a fantastic celebrity couple. They might they are quickly rising the ranks as one of my favorite celebrity couples. They've been together for like 25 years now. That's awesome. Anyway, Courtney says that she doesn't have very many memories from 94 to 95 Mm. because she was high on heroin and rohypnol at the time this is also around the time that she threw shit at madonna at the vmas oh yeah i
1: love <laughs> that always used to come up on mtv's like
0: always clip shows yeah yeah
1: like top 10 <sighs> mtv, MTV moments clip shows anymore guys
0: they're fucking up i know
1: what oh. the fuck
0: oh god this is uh my it's it's maybe my favorite mtv moment yeah no. it's like
1: your two worlds collapsed collapsing or crashing yeah. right there
0: and it's it's definitely my favorite madonna moment kurt loader was low-key scared and i love it yeah yeah.
1: It was like, <laughs> yeah if i if someone was like could you describe me in like a moment in pop history i'd be like yes it's this moment right here <laughs> kurt loader mtv madonna mm-hmm. of that that era of madonna too that which is so
0: underrated and i yeah.
1: i think i could hear your college thesis on that era of madonna <laughs> And then Courtney
0: looked, just being a fucking mess. Yes. Like, <laughs> it's everything
1: you love right there.
0: And Kurt's just like fucking scared. Madonna looks like she wants to like kill Courtney, which yeah. Courtney would kill your ass in like five yeah. seconds. Relax. <laughs> uh yeah, and then Courtney tells her that Kurt and her went to not Kurt Loader, Kurt Cobain, went to see Truth or Dare. Like that was like one of their dates. Uh-huh. And Kurt was like, looked up at the screen and pointed. It, I imagine that meme that's popular right now of uh, of Leo pointing at the screen. Oh, I love that one. <laughs> and so anyway, he pointed at the screen and was like, that's you. How funny. <laughs> anyway, it ends with Courtney taking a serious fall. It's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> After the Live Through This tour ended, Courtney wanted to get back into acting and landed the role of Althea in Milos Foreman's The People vs. Larry Flint, which we talked about a few days ago, or a few weeks ago. Milos said that when she, was, when she auditioned, she was obviously high as fuck, but that she blew him away. So he told her that she could have the part on the condition that she get clean, and he personally had to guarantee a $1 million insurance policy for her to work on the film. And Columbia Pictures made her take constant drug tests during filming. And the gamble paid off as courtney's performance was critically acclaimed and earned her a golden globe nomination for best actress and that's where she met my bae mr edward norton hell yeah with whom she had a four-year relationship she calls the the relationship quote the greatest most stabilizing relationship of my relationship of my life he has such a cool dating history man yeah on the heels of her newfound status as a buzzy hollywood actress courtney and hole released their much anticipated sophomore album celebrity skin in 1998 which once again was a critical and commercial success that one's awesome this is one i started listening to whole because like yeah i think when, we're when we were young yeah exactly yeah. when we were younger it was all like nirvana 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 and, yeah 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 like, you know. and obviously the song celebrity skin is a bop uh which fun fact the guitar riff was written by billy corgan who co-wrote on a lot of a mm. lot of the songs on that album with courtney and eric Courtney said that when she first heard the da 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 she was like, that's the fucking corniest thing you've ever wrote in your life. <laughs> After a six-month engagement, Courtney and Edward broke up at the end of
1: 1999. Aw. My brother says he was cool. He was like, that's a cool white guy. Edward Norton? Mm-hmm. He was like, yeah. come on, Steph. He got Selma at her peak. How
0: yeah, cool it's true. How cool did he have to
1: be to get that? <laughs> I was laughing. Yeah.
0: And that's another person, another white guy who just minds his own business. Yeah, for sure. And it's just fucking good at his job. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Love him. So she says of the breakup that she didn't want people to look at her and say, oh, Mrs. Norton, she used to be Courtney Love. Mm. Which I feel I, I understand her because she also has this chip on her shoulder about being Mrs. Kurt Cobain forever.
1: Right. Because she A is per- such an
0: individual
1: and... Mm-hmm. She's always shadowed by the men she's with.
0: Yes, exactly. So, I mean, I guess she was like scared of losing herself. Right. Like, and she says that she was, uh, and she hates the fact that she was almost destined to be after Kurt's death. She's like destined to be this professional widow is the word that she used. Mm. Uh, So I don't know. I, they should have stayed together. I don't know. Oh, who knows? Also around this time, it seems that uh, around the time of her breakup with Edward, uh, it seems like Courtney developed a coke habit Ooh. for the first time. Wow. Yeah. Or in the 90s. Yeah. Uh, like 99, almost 2000. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> pretty
1: much since then. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Her solo album, America's Sweetheart Flopped, Ooh. and producer Linda Perry said it was because Courtney was coked out for six months at a French chateau the whole time she was working on it.
1: Ooh, Linda Perry, another very interesting person to Super, make an appearance.
0: Yeah. Yeah yeah super interesting yeah
1: i know this might be corny but i always think mm -hmm. of her with like the drama with pink and christina aguilera
0: oh yeah i know and also she had recent drama too in her marriage right uh i don't i don't think i know it but Mm hmm yeah she's she seems like a cool person yeah
1: very interesting
0: yeah so not only did courtney relapse and the album flopped but she was also involved in a ton of lawsuits with the surviving members of Nirvana and her own record label was also suing her. And that was preventing her from releasing new whole music. Right. She still took on a handful of acting roles, but Courtney had a lot of bad looks related to her wild behavior and drug use. So the roles dried up. She was arrested for breaking into her ex-boyfriend slash manager's house. Then she OD'd in front of Francis, which, which, Yeah, which led to her, which led to those in her circle staging a psychiatric intervention. And Frances was removed from her custody by CPS. But our old friend, her stepdad, Frank, stepped in and took Frances until Courtney could get her shit together, which honestly took a while. She had a suicide attempt on her 40th birthday in 2004 and was put on a 5150 at Bellevue. Wow. She was. So it's like since she started doing coke is like where you see it she's really pop off yeah she's like spiraling she's yeah it's it's getting really bad she was infamously photographed letting a stranger suck on her titty at wendy's
1: oh i forgot about that (laughs) wow
0: she pioneered ma'am this is a wendy so i have to stand she flashed david letterman and finally hit rock bottom during an appearance at the roast of pamela anderson when she was on coke, crack, and opioids for the world to see. Wow. So she had to go to rehab and has essentially been sober since 2007. She still acts occasionally and puts out music occasionally, but neither to the heights of her potential. She recently admitted that she had a very brief opioid relapse in 2018, but very quickly sought out help and went to rehab, which I think is a good sign. Yeah. I saw her perform last year and she looked sober to me, but I mean, like, what do I know? Yeah. She's been a major philanthropist and advocate for the LGBT community since the early 90s with Kurt. They were both like strong advocates for the LGBT community. Yeah, he, they were. And she also advocates for record companies to reinvest in the black community since, quote, white people have been stealing from them for years. <laughs> Again, I stand. She's been a Buddhist for forever, and I watched a documentary where she chants for, quote, Lindsay Lohan, Kate Moss, and horses. Whoa. Okay. Wow. No choice but to stand. Uh, She's also great on Instagram, which I didn't follow her until this week. I
1: didn't even know she had an Instagram.
0: She's fucking fantastic on Instagram, and it's great because she's real thirsty for Brad Pitt, and she has been since the early 90s. A lot of these MTV interviews, I see she's so thirsty for him. Oh, my God. I'm
1: going to follow her right now.
0: Yeah, so great on Instagram. And she all around seems to be doing okay for now. And her relationship with Francis seems fine for now, too. Good. So I wish them both the best. And that's the story of Courtney Love and Kurt Cobain. Hey.
1: Hey, you guys got two for one. Hey, baby. <laughs>
0: I think people are really going to wrap their minds around uh our age because yeah them, seriously
1: so. <laughs> right? that was a dead giveaway i th- i did say it because i said adele's birthday but I, like as if the I, episode wouldn't have also
0: but i mean the vibes i think of like not only our the age of our number the number but like uh the culture around like the when how we grew up,
1: up and stuff yeah for yeah, sure yeah Aww. well guys <laughs> i'm drunk Thank you for listening to the Drama Club. Hit us up on Instagram and Twitter at Drama Club Pod and on the website dramaclubpod.com.
0: On the hotline, 505 539 0556 at our PO Box, PO Box number 27433 LACA 90027. Leave us a tip uh, on our website, on the tip char. And, oh, uh, leave us a review wherever you listen to the podcast. And yes. we'll catch you on Thursday with a brand new Afternoon Delay episode. Bye. Bye. However, whatever with your helmet.